Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. And today we're talking about, uh, we're season seven of Buffy, Bring on the Night, and season four of Angel, Awakening. I like that you paused, because I did the same thing where I was like, what were these episodes called? And I (laughs) I have the tabs open so that I can refer to it, but I had to uh, click over to it. Oh, see, that's helpful. I'm so professional. (laughs) I did take notes this time, so I guess I could have referred to those. Yeah, I do have it in my notes, too. Well, you know what it really was is that I was going to... We don't. I don't think we usually say what season we're doing, but for whatever reason, I was like, I should say that. And then I, that's, that's what stumbled me. You just wanted to remind everybody that we have one more season of Angel to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am very interested to talk about uh, Angel. <laughs> I, have, I have some overarching thoughts about Angel that are, I don't know that, they're, they're uh, yeah, a slight edit from my normal, like, I hate this show. It's a, definitely more like, well, we, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but it's less negative than... I'm okay. making it sound. I'm I'm mad at myself, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. How are you doing today? I'm good. Um, really enjoying this time change. Yeah. I have to say. I, I actually got up slightly like, earlier because of yeah. it, and I was like, you should do this, commit to it. I did waste that extra hour, but I was up, so. Yeah, it was luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, it's. Oh, it's late. It's it's earlier than I thought. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because I woke up, I set my alarm last night knowing that was going to happen. And yeah. even though I did that, like, in the moment, it was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Although I kind of, like, I kind of planned. Like, I went out last night. I almost, like, never go out anymore because mm-hmm. I'm just, like, bars are not, like, a fun scene for me anymore. No. Like, you know, they're crowded and noisy, whatever. Last night was actually okay. Although people were like still out in Halloween costumes. I, like, I know there was some debate this year, I think about which weekend, but I really think it yeah. should have been the former. I was like, yeah, the month has turned. Mm-hmm. Like you, you cannot celebrate Halloween in November. So it was fun. But like, I fully recognized, like I was staying out later than normal, but it was okay because I was like, oh, I get an extra hour mm-hmm. of sleep. So, and it worked out great. Good. <laughs> yeah. And the bars like I went to were like, fun and they weren't too crowded and it was like it was like exactly how I like it where you you get a table Mm -hmm. like you can sit and you can have a conversation and it's not this like scrum at the bar like yeah my favorite that doesn't always happen which is why I don't go out that much anymore because I I lost patience for that yeah but yeah in fact we went to one bar that was basically empty and I was like this is fantastic yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a nice feeling other than you're like well hopefully this place doesn't go out of business but yeah, or you're like, oh, I guess I'm not cool, but it's like, who cares? Oh, I don't ever think that. Do I? Maybe. Yeah. No, I never do. I, I always <laughs> like, look I at it as like, so. a, like, it's not a reflection on me. It's like, I've chosen well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How are you? Good. Uh, it's, you know, hopefully, finally fall weather here. I know we tried not to do the weather thing. It just, it was like, it was so humid on Halloween day and I was mad about it all day. And like, it just really messes with like, I know that there's each, you know, summer and winter have their own issues with heating and cooling anyway, like especially in shared buildings like offices. But when temperatures are unseasonal, it's also like literally, uh, it must've been on, on, on Halloween in my office. They were like, sorry, they already turned the air off because it's the end of October, but it was so hot. I, I was like, really uncomfortable the whole day. And then, uh, I walked to the other side of the office and it was even hotter. And I was like, Oh my God, if I had been over there, I 
don't know what I would have done. Like I was kind of sweating. It was really gross. Anyway, so suffice it to say, I do not like humidity. I really was unhappy about it on Halloween of all days. And it's finally turned to like a crisper air. And it's like, it just better not get humid again. I just, I can't stand it. But especially when it's just like, at least in the summer, you can be like, well, it's the summer and you can like lean into it. But in the fall, like you can't lean into it. It's just irritating. No, and plus on Halloween, like, what a way to ruin the ambiance. I know, like, it really killed the mood, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like, like I said, I it's like... I think about that when you see, like, Halloween movies, and it's like a perfect blustery fall night, yeah. and, like, leaves are falling everywhere, and I'm like, where are the kids either in their ski suits, because it's, like, freezing cold outside, and mm-hmm. they have to, like, layer under their costumes, or where are the kids who are, like, sweating because it's too hot? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's almost never Halloween weather, like, on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Anyway, so especially not not now. But again, like really when like at least on the East Coast, it's like places don't just have you can't it's either heating or cooling. It's not you don't have the option for both at once in most buildings just because they're old. But like so it's like you have no recourse. Like once it's it's like being when it's like 100 degrees in San Francisco and you're like, well, no one has air conditioners here because you're not supposed to need them. <laughs> it's like really frustrating when you don't also can't use modern tools to solve the problems. Although, to be fair, yeah. those modern tools are probably contributing to and or causing the problem. So, yeah, Regard- I think about that. So my regardless. office has air conditioning and they overuse it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like gotten to the point where I'm like, I feel like I should like lodge an HR complaint. Like Mm -hmm. this feels like abusive, how cold it is Mm -hmm. in here. And it's like the men are complaining. Like that's when you know it's really cold. Yeah, that is bad. And I was like, aren't we supposed to be a green building? Like couldn't they just turn this off? Yeah, interesting. Because they they told us, they were like, there's nothing we can do. Like the the building sets the temperature. Right. I was like, well then tell the building that is supposed to be green certified to turn the air air conditioning off. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need it because as you just said, it's San Francisco. Like... It might be a little warm one day, but it, you're never going to be, like, boiling to death in mm-hmm. the office. So Blech. I get so angry. So I'm like, this is, like, it's it's gotten to a really ridiculous point mm-hmm. where I feel like a cliche of, like, oh, I'm cold at work. But, like, no, it's yeah. actually, like, feels like a walk-in refrigerator in there. Like, I go out in the hallway and, like, you can feel the temperature difference. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's everybody's fun weather talk. I know. Sorry. Um, I'm the one that brought it in this time. But No, it's okay. Um, I, I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna give you an out and say it was holiday related. <laughs> it was. It was honestly. It ruined the feeling of. I love Halloween. I don't go. I don't like participate a lot. I find in the less in recent years, mostly because it just is a lot of work, and also in New York, you know, it's just biz- it's like a lot to like participate in Halloween. I don't like have that energy for that. So I like do my small decorations in my house and like call it a day. But I still want to like enjoy the mood and like watch something spooky. And you just can't do that when it's like pushing eighty and very humid. <laughs> so, yeah. Ugh. yeah. Uh, we did go to a Halloween puppet show, <laughs> a Halloween theater musical puppet show on Halloween, and it was very interesting. And. S- pretty entertaining. I, uh, uh, the show was like, okay, but the puppets were amazing. It was really, we went because of a loose connection to one of the puppeteers. Um, I don't think about puppeteering that much, but it was really cool to see like they had, it was like Halloween themed. And so it was, it was a little bit creepy and, and scary, but they just had these really cool puppets. And then like throughout the show, they got increasingly bigger. So like the same, you know, figure would get bigger and bigger and so by the end they were giant on stage and they just looked so cool I was like that was like one of the cooler things I've ever seen 
again, I, the show, the story itself was like meh. And some of the other performances were like kind of mediocre, but like puppeteering was like really cool. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to a puppet show. It wasn't like a marionette show. Like it was more like we actually went through a couple of rooms and then like eventually sat down and then they were on stage. But, you know, there were actors as well as puppets. It wasn't just um, like hand puppets, you know, in a for a in a frame. Mm. But anyway, I feel. Yeah. Anyway, so that's everything I have to say about Halloween. That was how I participated in Halloween this year and also watched um, Lost Boys uh, on the night before with my friend. And it was great. Not strictly Halloween, I, but vampire related. Yeah. I came home and I watched The Mummy. Oh, I have been wanting to rewatch actually, that for a long time. <laughs> It's, you know what, I, I got inspired because Claire was watching I it. I saw that. So, okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go home and watch The Mummy. And I loved that movie when I it came out. I haven't watched it in a really long time and it is delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I think I liked it so much that somebody gave it to me for Christmas or something. I remember watching it a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is bad and it is like really like silly to the point where you're like oh this is part of the awesomeness like yeah. because it just doesn't take itself that seriously which okay. it, it can't like if it did it would just like fall apart yeah but like and I think I didn't see the remake and I'm I'm sure given who was in it it took itself too seriously who was but in the new one this one the the new mummy who was yeah. in it though Tom Cruise I didn't want to say oh name. sorry <laughs> okay. we don't want to summon him yeah but this, like, silly, lighthearted action-adventure one is fantastic. I mean, like, there's some... Pro- it's, you know, you could tell it right. was made in 1999. There's some problematic attitudes. Yeah. But, like, I mean, it probably wouldn't be portrayed in the same way today. Yeah. But I think that, as a product of its time, I had a great time watching it. I mean, and Brendan Fraser was really the king of that for, like, a minute. And then it became, like, too much, and it was like, stop doing this. But he's good at those kind of self-serious, not, not self, you know, sorry, the opposite yeah. of what I said. I don't By know. the time they made the third one and Rachel Weiss wasn't <clears throat> even in it anymore. And then they right. were like chasing <clears throat> things in China. I was like, I think we've stretched this a bit. Mm-hmm. So, but the first two were great. So oh, now all I'm thinking feel, about is have, all the I Brendan Fraser movies that I love though. Yeah. I didn't watch the sequel. Okay. No, I don't think this I time, did. But I have an affinity with a specific scene in the sequel. Okay. <laughs> I have traveled on a train in Egypt, and I just think it wasn't that far off. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about, because I haven't seen that. Or have, if I've seen it, I don't remember anymore. Yeah. But, okay. I won't say it. Great. But, um, yeah, no, Brendan Fraser did, you, you know, uh, Blast from the Past. Was That's what I was thinking of. I love yeah. that movie. I have rewatched it is pretty great. frequently <laughs> and in recent years, and it is fantastic. I, I mean, Alicia Silverstone is also great, and also, like, Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah, I'm like, their mom is somebody interesting, too. And I think like, it's Sissy Spacek, right? It is, yes. Yeah. God, like, that movie so is so good. That movie is so good. And it's just such yeah. a cute it's like a really well executed version of that concept you know i don't know he's so yeah. good at that and i loved encino man when i was a kid that one i'm a little <laughs> afraid to rewatch because i feel like it might be terrible now or really highly problematic but i whatever i loved encino man i love yeah and he's great now and then which we talk about here oh, yeah. every once in a while every now and then <laughs> i forgot he was in that yeah okay we should get into it i'm sorry well, I think us that down. was my pop culture recommendation. <laughs> so, just doing things a little backwards. That's yeah. okay. Uh, I have so um, much for the end of the show, too. So, okay. But well, I can limit myself as Well, why don't you tell us what needed. happened in Bring On the Night? Okay. Um, 
so to I'll do my best to keep it top level because also this was like one of those I think a hundred things happened but also like you know from a with a wide lens like kind of not that much or rather not that many things happened um so you know we saw that tease a couple episodes ago about Giles getting his head chopped off of course he did not and in fact Giles turns up this episode uh going back really quickly Buffy you know, re- realized in the last episode that what's happening is the first evil is what is attacking them because she remembered that experience she had back in season three with Angel when it uh, tried to make him kill himself and in this Christmas tree lot. So she's putting the pieces together and realizes that. And then also Giles shows up with three uh, tiny potential slayers in tow um, and kind of explains what's been going on in England and with the Watcher's Council, which is to say that they were <laughs> demolished, um, but not before Giles managed to steal away just a couple of books and, you know, notes on what the first is, but that everything else has been destroyed. And meanwhile, all the uh, girls who have the potential to become the next Slayer, if the Slayer is killed, uh, have been getting, you know, murdered one by one, which is what we had seen in the first couple episodes with girls getting chased down. So Giles has taken the couple potentials that he knew about from England to Sunnydale with him. And they end up, you know, now they're all living (laughs) at the summer's home (laughs) that now has boarded up windows because Xander really just can't even, and he's not going to repair the windows for like every single day for the rest of his life. Um, So I would say that's like the big, big, Big story number one and big story number two is that we also saw in the last episode that using Spike's blood, these bringers that we now know are associated with the first, they're like his minions or whatever, um, <clears throat> uh, opened this uh, symbol on the ground to call forth this uh, quote unquote uber vamp. It's got some other name. And Giles explains they're like Neanderthals to humans or something like that. Very ancient, old version of vampires, like proto-vampires. But also, clearly, they're super, super strong, a lot more resistant than the vampires that Buffy's used to dealing with. So one of them has gotten out and is, you know, at night running around Sunnydale wreaking havoc. Buffy tries to fight it, stakes it through the heart, and it does not die. (laughs) So she ends up kind of having to run away. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I would say that that's like the heart of it. Spike is there in the background, continuing to get tormented by the first. Andrew's still at the Summer's household as well, not seemingly very remorseful about what happened with Andrew. And at the end of it, even though Buffy is not able to kill this uber vamp, she does go home and tell everybody that, you know, this first evil has declared war on us and we're not going to stand for it. So that's uh, that's it. Yeah, I um. I didn't like this episode. I didn't either. I um, I liked a couple of moments, but I overall yeah, didn't like there it. There are bits, but I think generally this season has kind of lost... I think like, it's there's lost no, the thread a little bit. Like, yes. the build-up was... Like, I was just thinking while you were recapping, like, it just kind of struck me that, like, Giles showing up with these three girls, it's suppo- it's, it plays a little bit like we're sort of supposed to have expected this, but the show hasn't... We haven't seen us that these girls are getting killed yeah. for like three episodes now or something. Yeah. So it's kind of like until he was like, oh, they're being murdered and they showed the flashbacks. I was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like I knew it was happening in the background, but it wasn't really like at the forefront of the story. So that just felt a little bit out of place. And then also, I just think especially Buffy's speech at the end, like this episode is trying so, so hard 
to make us think that this is like the biggest bad right. ever and it's hopeless and oh my god what are they going to do there's like this 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 demon is special mm-hmm. and i just like don't buy it i don't like, buy it either i it just doesn't feel like anything and it's such a mess because there's these harbingers and then Buffy's fighting this uber vamp and then the first is like Drusilla and it's just a mess and it's I think it's supposed to be kind of all-consuming but it does not play that way no I totally agree with you and I I think my critique is playing off what you're saying but a little bit different I like I don't hate Buffy's speech at the end although I agree with you about them using it to try and convey how much bigger and better this evil is. It falls apart on that front for sure. I think like I was telling you before we started, or I said it in this episode, like what even happened in this episode? Because it's now kind of feeling more like the episodes of angel where it's like, there's not like what happened in this episode. There's no story arc for the episode. And it's felt, but, and like, I can understand that that maybe needs to be the case once in a while, especially in this kind of like nine to 14, you know, episodes in, into a 22 season arc. But like, I really was like, but what was the theme of this episode? Like what happened in this episode? And there's nothing. And, you know, we've also been like, maybe Buffy doesn't always, Buffy the show doesn't always need to rest on this. Like, what's the metaphor this week thing? But I also am feeling that like, without even that at all, it also just gets very messy. Yeah. It's like, what was going on with Spike? I don't, it wasn't that interesting. I mean, I care about Spike and his role in this season, but I didn't care about watching him get tormented emotionally. And like, it also like, wasn't that good of a torment. So like, I don't know. Yeah. There's just like so many pieces to this and they're not gelling together into like one episode. And then it's kind of frustrating then because like, well, they're just serving the purpose of the big bad. And we also, I'm not that convinced by the big bad. Uh, I'm not convinced by a big bad that thinks waterboarding vampires is torture for them. And like that the show is suggesting that with a creature that we have established many, many times mm-hmm. does not breathe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. what, ha- what is happening to Spike when he's underwater? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that like Angel survived for three months underwater and Spike is like drowning right. apparently. Right. Like, right. I don't understand. Right. What's oh my happening. god, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, I was just like so annoyed by that, and it just undercuts the whole threat of the first because you're just like, what, Are you stupid? what am I watching? Yeah. Like some random punching. Like okay, yeah. It's just it's dumb. Yeah. And it it is a mess. And I yeah I. I agree. Like, I felt like there wasn't a central focus of this episode. No, it was just a series of of plot points. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're trying to, like, lay the groundwork. And, like, it does feel a bit like a pivot of, like, okay, the first few episodes we've been, like, ominously told from beneath you it devours, like, Mm -hmm. something's coming, and, like, they're having all these interactions, and then we're focused on Spike's weird behavior and, like, all of this. And now Giles shows up with these potential slayers and the game, like, we know the rules, like, this is Buffy's mission is to protect these girls and protect the Slayer line. Okay. Like, we've laid the groundwork for that. But getting there was, like, just a mess. Yeah. Like, and and again, I, I cannot stress enough how much this uber vampire is not adding to the equation. Like, yeah, it just feels like a separate piece of this whole thing because Buffy needs a physical monster to fight. It's true. And I, I get where they're going with it, and eventually I think it has, like, more of a resonance. But, like, having her fight this separate demon that she gets really scared of because she can't defeat it. Like, she does stake this thing and it doesn't die, mm-hmm. right? Okay. That's all well and good, but, like, that creature isn't the 
the isn't men the that first. she's supposed right, to be right, fighting. Right. So like it just doesn't like it's because they say in this episode too, like, oh, the first doesn't have physical form. So it's clearly like the first is using minions to like mm-hmm. do the the wet works, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it just has a like the result of just connecting like or disconnecting the first from everything that's happening and I'm just like we're just watching Buffy fight us like a creature that it seems like they thought would be really cool like what if we just made the ultimate vampire right. oh my god like you know it's, maybe I'm not being fair but it just doesn't it that's the impression that I get it's funny because it. I agree with you and I I I agree with you in terms of this episode, and I do, but I do, I feel like the Uber Vamp could have been used better. Yeah, like I like this idea that Buffy is, you know, uh, is facing enemies that she can't immediately defeat and she can't immediately best. But that's also happened a lot before, so yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's like if you if this needs to be the symbol of how she can't just stick her way through everything, like. It needs to be woven into the story better because I agree with you that it's like so what who, so then who's the first yeah like I think that's gonna be my overarching like problem with this season and I kind of already said that several times but it's just like the first is just it is is difficult to define and so it's difficult to to care about and so yes I'm kind of meandering now too but it's just I I agree that it's like. The notion that there's a vampire that Buffy can't just kill easily, I think, is fine. But you got to use it to some better purpose than this, or, or narratively. I don't know. Yeah, just as a little because bit it's haphazard. So, it's so weird because the show with the dialogue is steering us towards the first, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole speech about, you know, and and again, it's because they're trying to build it up as this ultimate big bad of like, oh, you thought all those things that we thought were bad. Well, this is the thing that created them. And it's like, you know, yeah, trying to like one up itself, as we've talked about before, like this is kind of problematic with like every year you've got to have a bigger and bigger demon. Mm-hmm. And I go back to that first scene in um, or that last scene in the first episode of this season that at the time I thought was really cool, which is like, you know, basically a history of the demons that Buffy's had to fight. Mm hmm. Or the big bads. But now I'm like, oh, I no, I, I, like, I don't like this. Yeah. Because it's like they're trying to use that as a way to be like, and this is the thing that was like driving all of them. And it's the ultimate like bad. But it's right. also not a thing that Buffy's actually fighting. So like right, right, the show is right. like having her talk about the first and then she's off fighting this like other thing. Right. And it's like, yes, they're all related, but it's just it's not working right now. And and I think that there's so much potential here that I like, which is that, you know, Buffy's encountering this creature that she can't just stake and like defeat the way she's kind of come mm-hmm. to expect defeating everything. In and she does it at the worst possible time when she's supposed to be showing these right. future potential slayers like How? what a slayer mm-hmm. is and like what it means and like and and they're hopeless and they're they're scared and she's supposed to be like you know, the safety net for them and right. she's failing. And like, that's really interesting. Right. Right. The, right. And, and I think the show does go a little bit more in that direction, but they like do. right now Rab. it just is not. And I'm like, They're, you're leaving this lying on the floor. Yeah. And like, you know, there's the other girl who like runs away and then ultimately gets killed. And there's like no fallout from that. Yeah. Like I just, they're just casting yeah. way too wide a net right now too. For something that is like, if your big bad is going to be this ephemeral and this like hard to pin down, then the stories need to be a lot more focused, I think, to balance it out. And instead they're doing both of them like 
uh, stories about everything and all the slayers and also about Spike and also about Andrew and also about this and also about that. And then also what is the first? It doesn't matter because this is vamp and it's like you're giving us whiplash, like pick a story and stick yeah. with it. If the bad, I, if the bad can't be solid, then everything else needs to be that much more grounded and they're not doing that. I agree. And I also think the show is struggling under its history as well a little bit because something that I was thinking watching that scene where Buffy's fighting the uber vamp is like, it's a great horror scene. Mm-hmm. Like she's constantly like, oh, I, you know, I, I defeated him and like he just won't die. And it is, it is legitimately scary. Yes. And she's doing all of this after seeing the dead body of like the mm-hmm. Slayer and like all of this. But also at the same time, I'm watching this thinking, oh, well, this is undercut entirely by the idea that I know that the show is not going to kill Buffy because we're in the final season. Yeah, yeah. She's got to make it to the final episode and they've already killed her. Yeah. So it's like, there are no stakes. Well, yeah. And I guess what the stakes should be then is how disappointed and scared the, the new slayers are going to be because of her failure. But because like, we barely know them, like they just showed up. Like we haven't seen her and them like them really put their faith in her yet or anything like that. So like, even is this kind of betrayal of like how strong she should be in her like reputation, it also isn't really working on that yet either because they're just rushing through it. Yeah. I think, so here's my, I don't, it's not a question exactly. Just here's my next talking point is, so we're talking about the first, the reason that they're doing this on the one hand is because it needs to be something that is bigger than anything they've ever done before for the final season. But the other theme that they really posed early on in this season was that we're like, quote unquote, going back to basics. And so I think like on paper, the first is just that because it's the root of all evil and blah, blah, blah. But in execution, it is so far from that, that like, I think that's also where I'm really struggling is this like, I really liked the first couple episodes where we were sort of like, okay, they're back in the high school. Okay. There's, you know, Don is kind of in this new generation that's going to do what Buffy was doing. And then Buffy's still there. And like, there was other story kind of growing around that, but like the first just does not seem other than that. They've literally called it the first. It doesn't seem to, to serve that function at all. Right. Like it is influencing people, but not in the way that I would think the root of evil in, I don't know. Right. Like something is falling no, apart I agree. here and I, I'm not sure exactly what right. it is. Like they on paper set this up so well of like, they were going back to basics and you could even argue that introducing this vampire that's like it a totally really is. old ancient vampire mm-hmm. is also going back to basics. Right. But the problem is like these things are new to Buffy and the way they're being introduced is to try to like up the ante. Right. Which is like kind, of, kind the of the opposite. Of yeah. Back to <laughs> exactly. So it's it's like I would I would I would almost rather like going back to basics, they don't have a big bad for this season. Right. And then yeah. instead the the ultimate goal that they're fighting for is like Buffy trying to like train and unify like this new generation mm-hmm. and like set the groundwork for her to like retire or something like, and you know, it's like having to have one final ultimate baddie to beat is like, I could see the temptation and also because it's a, it's a framework that has worked well mm-hmm. for the past, you know, six seasons, but I you're saying this now and I'm like you're totally right because yeah it's the complete opposite of kind of the mission statement I, that they set up. You know to what do, I wonder is like mm-hmm. to go back to basics and like I just would like really love to see this season without a big bad. Yeah. You know or here's my other pose uh opposing a separate thought. What if it was the Watchers Council? Cuz it is sort of going to mm-hmm. turn into that, you know, later in the season a little bit. I feel like maybe that would have been more interesting. Yeah. Of like, she's going to reject what they've told her 
they have to do and and there still could be something going after slayers right like oh yeah any 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 generic big bad could figure out like oh if we kill all the potentials and then kill the two slayers then there's nothing left you know what i mean like this kind of or it could be like someone working from inside the watchers council right because, it, it, like buffy's gotten like above her right right and like we know that they know. don't like her yeah. yeah to kind of do away with them so early in the season i think maybe that was a mistake and i think kind of this like re-envisioning of what the slayers are and why they're there is a, is gonna be part of the story down the line i know from having watched it before but I feel like maybe that would have been a more cohesive way to kind of set up this arc. This I think you're totally right. And I think we should write the season that never was because <laughs> I know because like, I yeah. also think it works so well because like they were this looming threat the entire time. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically from season two onwards and like, you know, when we we're introduced to Kendra and this like idea of another way of doing mm-hmm. things. And especially also because something that came up in this episode that I was wondering is like, was Buffy kind of missed as like a potential because she didn't right. have a watcher right. and all this pre-training right. that these other girls see. God, we totally never get into that. Like, like this isn't new. They're not mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, one day I was just told like, oh, I'm going to be a pre-slayer and like my, like mm-hmm. it's like, it seems like they've been training for a while mm-hmm. and Buffy didn't have any of that. And so it's like, Right. That would be such an interesting angle to explore of, like, the Watchers Council also not liking Buffy because she was this thing that they didn't foresee coming. And, like, they, you know, yeah. and it's been really clear that they view her as, like, disruptive. Right, she's right. They're just waiting. towing the party line. And, like, God, how interesting would that be if, like, her ultimate foe was, like, the institution that made right, her. Right, right. Oh, God. Institutions uh, don't oh always God. meet a foe. <laughs> and even then, you know, we could still work this uber vamp into the story because, again, like, she's, she, yeah, like, any, any generic baddie could be the one who found the old papers that figure out how to open this hellmouth door. Right. And like the, the Uber van can still be there and she can still not know how to defeat it and need to consult the watchers council. And like, they could be working together for a while and then they, you know, let slip that like they're going to try and kill her again or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. just, yes. The first is not my favorite. Are there going to be parts that work better? I, I think so. I hope so. But yeah, this one was really a wash. Oh, um, I'm so mad now, Jim. Sorry. Okay, here's the thing, though. I thought this episode was very funny. <laughs> so uh, it was. I'm, they're, yeah. Okay, well, here's... Silver lining. This is so, the, the vampire basically did parkour. Did you catch that? Yes. Okay, also, Buffy Lynch is like, I know just what to do. Cut to her at her desk at work, Googling evil. Except not Googling, because <laughs> Google didn't quite exist yet, or at least not so ubiquitously. And, like, I think that Alex pointed out... Shoot, what was the line... They were going through something. Okay, never mind. I won't. I won't get into that. But anyway, the uh, screenshot of what was on Buffy's uh, uh, browser when she was searching for evil was like also pretty funny. I'm gonna try and capture that, <laughs> post it for us. Um, it's like evil. Yeah, evil, evil, evil. I think was like the first yeah. hit, and then there was like some other things. There was some joke about the first bank of Delaware in here, and now I, I wrote that down, but I didn't write down enough context for me to remember what oh, it was. Oh, because Willow was like, they were all trying to search stuff for the first, and Willow's like, oh, the first! Oh, yeah, but I think she mind. was in their a- ancient books, right? Or was uh, she no, just in she the phone the book computer. or something? She was, yeah. Oh, okay, but I was laughing at that scene, too, because I... It really actually put me in a place in time because I was like, it was, I was like, I totally buy that it's hard to look stuff up because it was kind of hard to search for things on the internet in like a pre-Google day. And like, this is clearly like, if Google exists, it's like very early. And so like links and all this stuff like didn't really work the same way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was really hard to find stuff on the internet. That's why Google like came to dominate. Yeah. I'm sure that Google existed at this point, but not, yeah, nobody was, or not, not nobody, but people weren't using it. Um, 
Okay, also, some other gems were Andrew saying that Buffy seems like a good leader because her hair is shiny. It just charmed me, and I really liked it. Also, Xander's, all of Xander's jokes about the windows, like, I get it, yeah, I was saying the same thing. And also, when Buffy is searching evil, and then Principal Wood comes in, and she says, she makes up some excuse about, and then they're talking about evil, and he's like, oh, as opposed to Rob Schneider's oeuvre, and I was like, such a good burn about Rob Schneider. I really ruined that joke just now by not setting it up properly, but suffice it to say, everybody was like firing on all cylinders comedy-wise in this episode, at least. So also, you brought up the principal. I know, I totally forgot to even like bring him up. That's like the other thing yeah. happening in the background that I don't, we don't have to get too far into it, but like, it's clear that like, we're supposed to be paying attention to him now. Yes. And because we saw him burying Jonathan's body in the last episode, and now it's like, he's watching Buffy. Like, yeah. Okay. And he likes mysteries, so. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, and also Buffy is like falling apart at work. So like she fell asleep talking to a kid. Yes, that poor like, kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> um, I also, I just wrote this down in this episode was like, oh, is season sevener, season sevener, season seven Xander is great. Like, I think I love yeah. Xander again or, you know, renewed. Like he, he has so many flaws and we've discussed them to no end. So fine, we can, I'm not saying we can drop it, but like for the moment, I just like, He's just so relatable and, like, such a good sidekick background guy right now. Like, he's not saying anything offensive. He's saying things that are funny. He's moving things along. And he's just, like, really being stalwart and steady for them. And I really am enjoying him. He grew up. He's so this much more mature, finally. Like, <laughs> this is what I was really appreciating, I think, like, two episodes ago. is like, this is, like, adult Xander who's, like, capable and yeah. got past all his emotional baggage. And he's just... He's just there it. to like, help. Even that yeah. conversation where Andrew is like, oh, you're... Why are you following Buffy? And he's like, I'm not following her. She's my best friend. Yeah, like, yeah. Xander has the, like confidence in himself to like not go into a tailspin because someone called him like a sidekick or a follower yes. like he's like yeah that is my role here and like also when willow is like trying to do magic yes and the first kind of like attacks yes. her or whatever God, that was scary. xander's the one who like takes the bowl and smashes it and i was like yeah yeah he's like, on top of he it is and i'm like these girls coming into the house and like seeing xander and like you know he's like interacting with buffy and she's like okay can we do this can we do this and he like clearly has like an active role mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, I, know, I'm I, really, like, I was admiring. I'm really proud of him. Episode as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, wow, this is crazy. We are like hating the show in general and loving. I Xander know what, what has happened. happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Another note that I had is like, you were talking about the, um, fight with the Uber vamp and being pretty horror driven. That also, I like, maybe this is my own bias. It felt so Terminator to me too. And I'm like, I, it makes sense because I really, I think it's clear that Sarah Connor is a big influence on on the Buffy story period and on Joss Whedon specifically. So like, I don't think it's a reach to see influences here and there, but I've noted it more than once before in like specific shots. And this one really just reminded me of Terminator because like they were in this sort of industrial setting and she like does this thing that's like, you know, should crush it to death and it's not even affected. Like I thought the whole staging of it felt very Terminator in a good way, not in a bad way, but. I'm sure there are other influences at play as well, but that's the one that I always see. (laughs) Yeah. And the whole like construction, Mm -hmm. like industrial setting and all of that. Definitely. Yeah. And her horror of like, oh, well that didn't Exactly. Exactly. I was like, oh, that is straight out of that. So, um, yes. Um, just as another note to you and I, um, or you rather have said that you do think you're seeing seeds of kind of 
not dissent, but like questions about power and leadership and who's in charge in the Scoopies. And I think that that came up again in this episode too. So just because in more of our recaps, we've like noted things that before seemed to come out of nowhere and maybe in fact were being spread out the whole time. I think think this is another example. Giles is reassuring Buffy, like they know you're in charge, which was also weird because I felt like nobody was questioning that. Mm -hmm. And then also like we didn't mention it, but Buffy's having these visions of Joyce. Right from the first and Joyce is like, Oh, your friends put too much pressure on you. Like you're the only one who like, so it, it does kind of have that similar thread running through it, but from a different angle where like Buffy almost is starting to feel like resentful for having to be the leader. Yeah. So but also, maybe that's just the other side of it. There was also a, a moment where Willow and Buffy were talking and Willow was telling her like, you don't have to do everything alone. So I think it's oh, also yeah. happening kind of through those things. Is it clear yeah. that Joyce was the first? And because Buffy also kept waking up and was sleeping. I don't know. And I couldn't I totally just assumed, decide. I guess, yeah. But you're right. It could be either. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure what to make of that ambiguity, too. I'm like, kind of not. Does it the matter? Show never, yeah. And I think it's something that's really a problem, especially with a, a villain who like just appears to people, is that the show has never actually done a great job of really solidifying Buffy's slayer dreams. Right. Like they only come up like a handful of times. And so it's kinda hard to know like, oh, this is normal mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. Okay. God, I also wrote a note that says I'm struck by how ineffectual Giles is. And I don't I remember specifically what that was responding to, but I I did feel like Giles is getting a little shoehorned in. You know, I'm glad that he's back, obviously, and he comes clearly with some, like, um, exposition about, like, what happened in London or in England with the Watchers Council, but then it's like he's not really taking charge. I don't know. I I guess I'm a little bit confused by what role he's playing right now, and I uh, appreciate that things can get muddy because Buffy is independent now and doesn't need him, but it also felt like he wasn't really adding anything (laughs) outside of, like, this is what happened so yeah, I was and also, like, like I said, he's the one to go to her and, like, reassure yeah, her that she's in charge. It just felt a little weak. It felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. But also, like, I would have loved to see Giles and Willow interacting. Yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't see at all. Yeah, that's a great point. they just went through all this stuff in England, so... Yeah, he felt underdeveloped. Yeah, I think they just... I think shoehorned is a great way to yeah. put it because I just think this episode tried to fit too much into one. It did. And it's like, well, Giles needs to be there. So now Giles is there, but without any thought to, yes, his, his most recent interactions with any of the characters or him as a character and all of his development. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I did kind of, I did like Buffy's speech at the end, but more that I liked what she was saying and I liked the way she framed it. And, but to your earlier point, like not, I don't like it as this, like attempting to justify the big, <laughs> the big bad, <laughs> But I thought she did also, a nice job. I, I, I found myself questioning her motivations for that. That's true. She's like sitting in the dark and she's listening to them kind of doubt her mm-hmm. and talk about like, because they're obviously all scared because Buffy got her butt yeah. kicked. Um, and then she comes down and like rallies the troops. And I wonder if it was just like her show of leadership to try to like come in and like buck up the troops and also like stop the questioning of her abilities mm-hmm. because you know, she comes in and inspires them and they're like, okay, we believe in you again, but like not two seconds earlier, they're all like, oh my God, can she do this? Right. I don't know. And Giles is like, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I was suspicious of the motivations for that. Yeah. But. Well, I think that's something we can put a pin in also. Cause I, maybe it's not oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not exactly going to come up, but I think it will. Buffy's leadership will be a topic of discussion. Yeah, at for some sure. Point. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know what I need to do is I, I've talked about this before, but I need to 
try to dig up and open that like presentation. Yes. Um, that my mom sent me yes. about the Slayer and leadership. Yeah. And it's then we like can two hundred slides. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's do should it. Should we move on to awakening? We should. <laughs> I don't know what to do about this episode. Uh-huh, so. uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, all right, I'll just tell it straight. So, at the last episode, we learned that the Beast and Angelus have a history that Angel does not remember. So, everybody decides, brilliant idea, let's just ask Angelus, mm-hmm. because apparently Angel and Angelus are whole different people, but... Um, they're going to summon, they, they ultimately decide, like, what are we going to do? Well, we've got to talk to Angelus. And Wesley, man of action that he is, goes and finds somebody to remove Angel's soul. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're going to do. So they build a cage in the hotel. Everybody's preparing to meet Angelus as, I didn't even realize this, but Cordelia is the only one who's actually right. met him. Um, and so everybody's, like, preparing. They bring in this, like, shaman priest somebody to do the ritual and it kind of all goes haywire because the the priest tries to kill angel he says he's an agent of the beast and um so they're not going to conjure angelus but it doesn't matter because this guy conveniently has stuff written all over his body Mm -hmm. um that's tattooed so they're reading this dead person's body for clues they find out about some ancient weapon forged to kill the beast and cordelia has a convenient vision Mm -hmm. at the time that is like i know what it is and i know where to find Mm -hmm. it so they go to find this sword that supposedly will kill the beast and conveniently they can access it underneath los angeles so they go and um, Cordelia, Connor, Wesley, and Angel all go underground and go through a series of booby traps. They ultimately locate the sword. Angel and Cordelia have a heart-to-heart and decide, you know what? Let's just get past our past. Mm-hmm. It's plural, and let's just give this a shot. So they're all happy and lovey-dovey. Connor witnesses this. Connor and Angel get in a fight, and Cordelia has to kind of tell him, like, no, like, you I was never yours, and I'm sorry, but, like, this is what I want. So they all come back to the hotel, and the Beast conveniently shows up. If I sound sarcastic, there's a reason. Yeah. I'll get there. <laughs> so the Beast conveniently shows up, and <clears throat> Angel and Connor start fighting with him because basically what they have to do is take the sword and stab him in the brain, and that will release all the energy that he's been using to block out the sun. Um, so Connor and Angel defeat the beast, Angel stabs him in the brain, the sun comes back out, everybody's happy, Angel's brought sunshine back, and he and Cordelia are deciding, yes, we're going to go for it, we're going to be together. And then they start having sex, and that was the moment mm-hmm. I was like, wait a sec. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and turns out this whole entire story is all in Angel's head and it's kind of in like the mental journey that he's going through as this shaman is removing his soul mm-hmm. and at the end of the episode he wakes up and he's Angelus. Yep. And let me tell you, Jenny, yeah. I got duped. They sure did dupe you. <laughs> I was 50-50 because I have been thinking about this, that particular, uh, this episode rather, and that twist for a while. And I was like, had convinced myself a few episodes back that that must happen in season five, even though clearly they, I've like been actively thinking about it. And they were like, we're bringing Angelus back. And I was like, nah, it might not be this episode. <laughs> 
Uh, so I'm I also an literally idiot, got convinced that like, oh, this was a fake out and like Angelus isn't gonna happen. Yeah, no, I, I was a little bit I was a little bit surprised, but not completely surprised. Especially to your as you've mentioned, as things get increasingly convenient, I was like, oh, okay, this is that one. <laughs> um, and it's funny because as I was telling this recap, I was realizing, oh right, right this was obvious. <laughs> yeah. Like everything was just conveniently going their way. Like the sword just happens to be accessible under LA. And they're even pointing this out, like, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, yeah. And the beast shows up, oh, that's convenient. And then Yeah. It's not, and it wasn't until the end where I, they were like literally like having sex, and I was like, "No, what are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, this isn't real." And but I, I honestly just forgot this whole twist, and I forgot how they got there, and so I was, I was really confused. I was like, "Wait, but I thought Angelus does make an appearance." Mm-hmm. I guess I was just misremembering, and they were just talking about Angelus, like, "Okay," and then I was like. I knew something was off, but I really still couldn't figure out where it was going. And I was like, yeah. what is going on? And and then I just felt like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I just forgot the whole thing. And, I, you know, kudos to the writer. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. To, to, their, to their credit, I do feel like this is one that, yes, you do feel like you've been duped. But as soon as you look back at it, you're like, oh, of course, of course. So they have at least set it up pretty convincingly, right? That it works both yeah. as like, you kind of go along with it until the very end and you're like, things are really not making sense. And then they're like, here's why they don't make sense. And it felt like an earned, you know, twist rather than just like, haha, yes. we duped you, but there was absolutely no clues or anything. Um, also no, that sh- intentional shade to the Cordelia portion of this ongoing arc, yeah. but yes. It, it absolutely was earned. And I think we've talked about this before where the show tried to like throw a twist yeah, at us totally. like, after Connor was born and like Angel like had a baby doll or something. And it was like, it just felt right, so cheap. Right. And like this did not feel cheap. This because also it's all done in service of this other plot point. And it, it's kind of like how this season has been overall of like it's like nested, right? right? Like you think the beast is the the villain and then the beast is just working to black out the sun and like, you know, there's like layers to this apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then so there's like layers to this unearthing of Angelus. Mm-hmm. And it's in a way, I was a little angry because I was like, oh, we just wasted a whole episode right. on this nonsense. And at the end of it, we're exactly where we it's started, true. which is let's wake up Angelus, which is a little bit infuriating. But I also like can't be that mad because no, it worked. Like, I agree. <laughs> and I yeah, no, I agree. And I think I mostly like this episode. I think what so here's like my like assessment of where we're at with Angel the show is that like I am. <sighs> It's just impossible to watch this one and not be on edge because of what I know is coming. If I were just watching this for the first... Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. That's not exactly true. It is impossible to fully enjoy this season because of what they've already done with Cordelia and Connor, period. But what is so frustrating is that for once, I think the show on on the whole has gotten a lot better. Like the episodes have better pacing. Their stories make more sense for the most part. I mean, I know that we still have things that we've picked at on every episode, but like, it is not like back in season one or two where I was like, why are you doing this? And everything Angel says makes me hate him. And you know, like all of this other stuff was like, they've gotten so much under control that it's just such a shame that it's like under this black cloud of like, but why would Cordelia sleep with Connor? And, and to the further point of like, 
we're going to find out things that I think are going to undercut every single thing that's happened up until this point. So like, it's really, really hard to watch it and just really enjoy it when I know these things are coming. But even if I didn't know it was coming, it would still like, it was not satisfying to me to have Cordelia and Angel sleep together when part of the resolution was like, sorry, I made a mistake and slept with your son, but it's cool. Right. And I was like, it's not cool. It's never going to be cool. You cannot write your way out of this one. I'm sorry. Like point, you know, period Angel and Cordelia can never happen anymore because that other thing happened in my opinion. So, well, and so this is where I'm like reading my notes and I'm like, okay, first of all, they're garbage because it was all (laughs) pretend, but like, but also there was some stuff in here that was like really raising some flags for me. And like, that was one of it where I was like, no, you can't just like be like, okay, it's fine now. And also I felt like there was kind of a retcon happening or I missed something where we're supposed to think that the reason Cordelia was like, hesitant about Angel and, like, reaching out to Connor was because she saw his past as Angelus. Right, right, right. Wait a second. No, you don't get to say, like, that's why when it was really just because Cordelia wasn't doing anything sensical. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. I just, it felt like a huge retcon, which now doesn't matter because it was all pretend. Right, right. I was getting really angry about that because I agree with you. Like, you know, there's all this lovey-dovey, like, kissing and, like, you know, reconciling in the cave. And I was just like, oh, come on. Like, no, and then also like we're devolving yet again into father son fighting over a right, girl, right? And it's Which like, is just so pathetic, so annoying. But but like I don't I like but again I'm like Jenny I don't know what to feel about this because I'm I like know. it didn't matter. I know I know, <laughs> and I think we're gonna face that exact no- notion and feeling again. I think for the most part, I think this one was successful. I think knowing once you get to the twist and you can see how, of course, that stuff with Cordelia didn't make sense. This is just what you know in his heart of hearts, Angel is hoping would work and would make sense. I think even if you asked Angel in the real world, like, oh, if Cordelia just told you all of this was because of this and she regrets it and she loves you, would you be okay with that? He'd probably be like, no, this is, you know, we've, we've crossed a threshold and this is never going to be okay. Or at least it's never going to work out that way. But I understand it as like a fantasy for Angel. I think it does make sense. And then like all these other little things fall into place too, right? Like I was very annoyed by his conversation with Wesley where Wesley apologized. And then he kind of gave, they had this like, it was nice to see them start reconciling, but it was annoying to see Angel be like, oh, you just never apologize. And I was like, Angel, you need to apologize as well. There's a lot of bad acting in this whole scenario. But then again, like finding out that it's like, well, it's from Angel's perspective. I mean, first of all, I guess he still hasn't come to terms with his role in the demise of his and Wesley's relationship. But regardless, I can understand like kind of, oh, that's why things are just so geared towards Angel and his feelings. Yeah, and also that Wesley's apologizing and Angel's just calling him out for never apologizing. Come mm-hmm. on, just say thanks. Yeah, exactly. Or say, I'm sorry, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I I think it, I, I, yeah, I like it. I, I wish that some of this stuff hadn't been make-believe, but I feel properly affected, you know, by that emotion and not like, you guys missed a huge opportunity. Like, I really... Yes, I have critiques about Angel saying that Wesley needs to apologize, but it really did feel good to watch them reconnect. And same with Connor and Angel. Man, boy, do I hate this love triangle aspect to their relationship, but the actual, like, them having had this just very fraught and problem, like, filled with problems relationship from day one and how they're going to need to work through it and get through it, I actually am really invested in that. And, like, seeing Connor come back and fight with Angel at the end, I really did get something out of that. Even once I, you know, even knowing that it never really happened and this isn't where they are, I, like... There's so much good stuff happening right now. I wish it weren't all going to go to shit. (laughs) But maybe it's not. Maybe to your point, maybe we've misremembered and something will be better than we thought it was. I really don't think so. But they're really close to nailing it. I really, 
I, I really think you're right. Like, if you focus on all of this as Angel's fantasy, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. Because, and and it also kind of, like, it's too bad because I also agree, like, because the fantasy involves some stuff that we've been wanting to see, like, just, like, you know, Angel telling Connor, like, just get over mm-hmm. it or, like, whatever. And it's like, yeah, just get over it. And, like, everybody just kind of gets over all their drama and, like, starts to work together. And Angel gives that whole speech about how we're all champions and it doesn't matter. Like, we're all together. And it's, like, this happy ending kind of thing. Um, but I, I also like you were kind of talking about this and I was also struck by the other layer in which this works as Angel's fantasy where it's like his fantasy is to never have to be angelus. Right. So right. the whole premise of this is that they don't go through with the ritual right. and like it's this true. happens anyway. And I was like, so now we're, now I'm like, okay, so we're going to see Angel become angelus. And like, we've seen this fantasy of his reconciliation with Connor and now Connor is going to actually have to face this monster that he's been told about, Mm -hmm. you know, as Angel says, like he's the thing that really worries him is like Connor's going to meet Angelus. Um, and like, basically he's going to prove correct everything that Connor's ever been told about Angel. Um, but that's so interesting because I'm like, Oh, we saw like how it wouldn't go if it didn't go that way. So it is really tragic. I think is what you're getting at, right? Like how much of a tragedy to dangle all this in front of Angel himself. And I mean, also us, but I think more, more so specifically dangling it in front of Angel and then know that it's not going to happen. Yeah. I sad. It's sad. It is sad. I, and I'm sad. I'm sad for him. I am sad for Angel. I think he is in a much better place as a character (laughs) this season than he has been for the whole run of the show. And I really want good things to happen for him. So I am appropriately sad that this turned out to be a hoax, even though I'm relieved that he's not forgiving this huge infraction from Cordelia for no good reason. Um, But you know what? That's what that's what's really frustrating about this, I think, is that I the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, this is maybe one of the better episodes. of It is. Yeah. Because it just it is ultimately very clever. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's holding me back from like really really loving it is that it's still so much of what happens is still related to this nonsense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Nothing can Cordelia be untouched. And Connor and this whole storyline. And I'm like, God, if that could just be lifted out, yeah. this would be perfect. Like top. Yeah, five. exactly. Like, this would be perfect. If that, if that weren't tinging it, because if it was only about angels, like journey of like his happy ending in service mm-hmm. of like his soul being removed, mm-hmm. like, the opposite of what he really wants and what he thinks is happening. That is such a fascinating it story really, to yeah. me. And like, once again, I'm like, God, this show just came so close. I know. I know <laughs> they are. Yeah. That is definitely the, the legacy of this show is like being close to greatness and whiffing it multiple yeah. times <laughs> yeah. or every, but almost like, every just, time. I'm like kind of angry that like at the root of this all is still this thing of like, I know me Cordelia too. It really and, is like, a Connor and ugh. so bad. And, and also knowing that like, it's not going to be just shoved in the past. Right, exactly. We're that, not like, going to get to just move past it. There's more to come, and it's just, uh Yeah, we don't get to... This episode made me both, like, super happy and, like, infuriated in advance, mm-hmm. so... I agree. Good job. Um, Who wrote this episode? I didn't. I meant to look this up, and I, I did not. I also... I mean, again, knowing that this didn't happen in the real world, fine, but um, another thing that I liked about <laughs> this a little bit is at the end of the fantasy when Angel is kind of giving everybody this speech about like why they're together and why they work together. And 
I feel like the logic was pretty sound and I really liked that he just called all of them champions and he was like kind of in, you know, implied that like, this is why we're all together. And I, I just feel like because of some of the stuff that you've said before about like, why are these people all working together still when it's like, there's just all like so much of their relationships are fraught and like in a way it kind of make, doesn't make sense that they stayed together. I thought the way that he framed it, it really made sense to me. And I think that even if what he, even if his speech happened only in his mind, I think the sentiment is still true. And I, I really liked that. I think it made me feel better about why angel investigations even exists anymore. You know, it was like, Oh, I do kind of really like this, this notion of it. I agree. It it kind of was like answering that question of why bother? Yeah. Like why, why are you, are you all guys together? still doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, David. No, I totally agree. And it's sad that it was like he didn't really again, say it to them. Real. Yeah. <laughs> um, David Fury and some other person wrote this one. Stephen. Okay. S- Stephen well, Denight. Good job. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. Well done. Um, <sighs> I also thought that this episode was funny as well. Yeah, it was. Oh, that really good like, Indiana Jones joke? Uh, yeah, but also, like, yeah, that whole sequence underground, I don't know how intentionally funny that was supposed <laughs> to be, but, like, Cordelia being like, I knew these would get me in trouble someday. Yeah. I was like, that's, I was like, I want to groan. Yeah. Because I was like, uh, but I was like, no, it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a, that is a problem that we as women sometimes mm-hmm. face. But also, like, Angel being like so serious, like okay, Connor, like if the worst happens, like you know, you just might have to kill me. And he's like, okay. yeah, <laughs> it's true. I liked that too. Like he's like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, like totally willing and eager. <laughs> yeah, and then just to be clear, because for once I wrote down a joke, a note about a joke, and I actually do remember what the joke was. Um, when they were underground, they like everything was rigged with like wooden stakes, and Angel was like, stakes? Why did it have to be stakes? And I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Because, you know, snakes um, and also it was a very Indiana Jones-esque type mission anyway. And I was already kind of thinking that. And I was like, okay, this was in, in intentionally an Indiana Jones premise. Yeah, I, I feel like I've already kind of like, you know, I have like one more question. I think I brought it up a little bit in my recap. But maybe I'll save it for next hmm. time because we are, in fact, going to see Angelus again. Right, but that's true. But this idea that like, and, and I think even Angel's questioning it a little bit yeah. of like, that his memories and Angelus's memories would be different. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm um, sorry. I d- and that Angelus is, like, a whole person they have to, like, summon. Because I thought the whole idea was, like, Angel and Angelus are the same person. It's just his soul that keeps him from doing the things that Angelus would do. But, like... I, I think we will just, get an answer to that, though. I think... I mean, Angel was emphatic that he remembers everything he did as Angelus. So there's not calling Angel because he was resistant in the beginning. We didn't really get into that part, but I did actually also appreciate that, that he was like, you don't need Angelus. I am Angelus. (laughs) I remember everything that happened. And it wasn't, I don't think until Cordelia encouraged him by kind of suggesting that when he's Angelus, he's smarter. Or I think, I think she was sort of trying to be insulting for but I think really what the point is, is that like, yeah, when you don't have any morals, you can go 10 steps ahead because you don't care about what else you're doing. So I, I do feel like that ultimately was the argument and not the fact that he's going to somehow magically remember something. Well, it was yeah, an argument for like him in deciding to do it. Not in like, the, like this concept of when you're angelus, because it's mm-hmm. like, he's always angelus. Like, mm-hmm. it's like this, he's not like Jekyll and Hyde, right? right. Like. That's the part where I'm just like, okay, I don't know. I think you're right that hopefully we'll get an answer and that the reason he can't remember this is like a whole other thing. But like this concept that they're 
talking about of them as different people. Well, what I'm suggesting is that and, and Angel himself never agreed to that as the reason for him doing it. I think he was pretty insistent the whole time. And then my secondary point is that I assume it is noteworthy that Cordelia is the one that convinced him to go through with this. And not by saying you're going to yes. magically remember something because Angel was like, I'm not going to remember something then, then that I don't remember now, but that Cordelia still has, you know, they still have this relationship. She still has this draw on him and it, that that was what convinced him. I think it's significant that she's the one that kind of convinced him to do it. And maybe all of this has just been in service of getting Angelus in the room. Well, I don't remember specifically, yes. but I mean, I think so. That's the problem with this whole scene. Sure. <laughs> it's all in service of things, mm-hmm. but right. Um, yes, you might be right. Um, I just mean to and say, also, I don't I think, do think mm-hmm. it was like appropriate that Cordelia is the one to convince him because as we were saying, she is the only one who's ever encountered right. Angelus, which is easy to forget because mm-hmm. yes, Wesley was on Buffy, but he was on Buffy after. after. Mm-hmm, that's true. But in my mind, I was like, that doesn't, no, that's not true. And then I was like, oh, oh, that is mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Also, I'm forgetting, am I remembering this correctly? But wasn't there that time that Angel, like, Angelus was conjured because Angel took, like, a pill? Mm-hmm. You're right. They did see him. How does that fit with this? Like, can't they just give him a pill? <laughs> I think that one was only temporary, though. Like, didn't it wear itself off? I don't think yeah, it was... Yeah, but you just can't have it both ways. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think we didn't like that trick the first time anyway, though. We didn't. Oh, no. actually, sorry. I have one other note, and I should have actually Googled this to confirm it, but I do believe that the guy that they call to conjure um, Angelus... I believe that is the same. It looked very similar. Um, his outfit did to the guy who fake turned Angelus in season three of Buffy. Remember the guy who like owed Giles a favor? Mm. I think he wore something very similar. I, w- I would like to see them side by side to confirm. I'm like, oh, I think these guys are part of the same order. And I think they've been consistent about that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. I think he but... had like blue robes or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe they're real. Or maybe he was blue. He was blue. Mm. Um, Oh, and you mentioned this, but just to hit it one more time, also, yes, can we again appreciate that, like, this thing needed to happen, and Wesley's the one that made it happen. (laughs) I mean, whether or not it's the right decision, you know, is pretty much a different question, I think, but, like, they all agreed this is what we need to do, and he's the only one who makes it happen. Because Wesley is very You know what reminded me, that reminded me of is this, and I think it, it's totally consistent with this concept of like, as watchers, they're trained to kind of do the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Because everybody's kind of quibbling over this question of like, oh my God, should we do this? Mm -hmm. Can we do this? Like, what would happen if we did this? And Wesley is like, we need to do this. And he goes and like, tries to make it happen. And it it kind of reminded me a little bit of Giles. Mm -hmm. Um... And Ben, right. because Giles is like, this is what needs to happen. Yeah. And like this this idea that they, they do have, I mean, Giles and Wesley are very different people, but they do kind of have this edge to them mm-hmm. that's like the, you know, get shit done. Yeah. Like, like the, the training that, I feel like we're swearing a lot. I know, sorry. <laughs> the, the training that they have to just kind of do what needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think Wesley didn't really access that earlier because he was no. so timid and naive but now that he's kind of been freed from those restraints a little bit it does seem like yeah he is drawing on a similar training and experience Hmm. is new wesley actually turning into ripper yeah i think so (laughs) (laughs) is this the journey that every watcher has to go on (laughs) yeah Hmm. okay anyway um all right well i think that's bring on the night and awakening Mm -hmm. and we're gonna see angelus Mm -hmm. In the next episode, that is called Soul, something. Soulless. Soulless. 
a little on the nose. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and then also the next Buffy episode will be showtime. I do think I remember that one. Yes. Okay. We'll be back for those. Mm-hmm. And you said you had quite a bit for the end of this. So I know. I'll keep it brief. Lay it on Okay, me. I'll keep it brief. <laughs> um, one will just be an update, which is um, that I finally finished Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I will not so admit when I started it, unless I probably already said that on the <laughs> podcast. But please don't count back and figure out how long it took me to read three books. Granted, they are pretty long, but still. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, like, recommend Lord of the Rings. I think people know (laughs) what Lord of the Rings is. And if you don't, then you can figure it out on your own. But I just wanted to say that I, on the whole, I loved it. It had so much, it had so many great things to it that I really underestimated. And I am really glad that I read it. Um, There's a reason that they are classic. They are. And I guess my hot take is, and this is something I've, like, discussed ad nauseum with one, or actually several of my friends, but... um, I, I definitely think, and I had this kind of in my head too, that like Tolkien and Lord of the Rings specifically kind of has this reputation as being like the father of all modern fantasy and like, oh, everything that, you know, is drawn from this way that he wrote and this way that he built built worlds and blah, blah, blah. And what I mean to say is that I feel like my impression was like, yeah, it's a little bit like it's swords and sorcery and there's like Aragorn, he's this like mighty fighter and there's Gandalf and blah, blah, blah. But like, man, that is such an undersell and, and like, it's not giving him credit for like, yes, the world building is extensive. And, and that I, I'm not going to say that world building is not part of Tolkien's legacy because it totally is. But like for me, like the hobbits were so the heart of that story. And in a way that was like, it is just really nice. Like it was really good. And I loved his perspective on them. And I love the way he treated them. And I loved the way that the story was told. And like there with several exceptions, which is mostly that, he definitely has a tendency to like drone into lore. And like, while I understand that that is interesting for the world building, it's not super interesting to read through, but the rest of it was great. And like, even like these big battles that I was really dreading reading through almost don't happen on the page. Like almost every battle is like, and then that battle happened and here's all the fallout of it. Or like it cuts to like key scenes, but it's like, it's not like a drawn out, like huge battle epic scene. Like the battles are really not the point of the story. And that came through. So anyway, I really liked it. I was really satisfied at the end, too. I, ending in the final chapters were so great. So that's my update, my life update. Um, and then my other quick recommendation is also a little bit limited. Um, I finally got around to watching the Steven Universe movie, which came out like several months ago. And uh, I love Steven Universe. I'm pretty sure I've recommended it on the show before, but I would say that I was a little bit like nervous you know, you never know when, like, people continue a property, like, what they're going to do with it and how much you're going to like it <laughs> or you might not like it. So I think I was mostly just a little bit hesitant, but it was great. If you already like the show, I don't, I mean, don't watch the show, the movie out of nowhere, because, like, for it won't make any sense and you won't, I don't think you would get anything out of it. But, like, the show is really great because Steven is a great character, but they also always do these really cool musical numbers. And, like, the music specifically in the movie was better than, like, it had been in the entire run of the show. And I was, like, really blown away. And the story was, like, pretty good, but it was a really good, like, there is one more season of the show coming out. And I thought it was, like, a really great, like, middle piece to, like, what we're doing. So I really liked it. If you already like Steven and you haven't watched the movie, I think you will like it. Is that a cartoon? Yeah. It's okay. Cartoon Network. That might answer for you my knowledge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm like almost ex- specifically not directing this at you. <laughs> Just to the like world at large. Oh, yeah. I have nothing. Okay. Um, except I'll repeat what I said at the beginning. Watch the movie yeah. and watch Blast from the Past. Yeah. Because they're great. 
Um, and specifically, I mean the Brendan Fraser mummy. That doesn't need to be said, I hope. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, a little bit excited that the whole, like, universal horror monster revival, like, plan that they had, like, kind of mm. failed. So, well, like, none of the movies did very well. So, okay. I don't know if I knew about you that. Know, they, as, like, a Well, they did, conceit. so, they did Frankenstein and... They did. Um, when did they? The when Mummy, did they do and Frankenstein? Then I think they were gonna do, or they made, or I don't know if they released it, but they were gonna do like some other monster. Like I don't know if it was like Jekyll and Hyde hmm. or like a vampire or like something. Like I don't know. But they like Universal had this plan of like they were gonna be they were gonna basically do with their old like monster properties. What yeah, Marvel they were did. MC, gonna and, MCU it. Yeah, yeah, which is like so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think it, I don't think it succeeded. Okay. Um, which I'm happy about because I thought it was such a dumb okay. idea. Anyway. Um, okay. Well. Cool. Like we said, next time we're going to be watching, um, Showtime and Soulless. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I say Showtime, I think I'm saying it like the channel. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Buffy on Showtime. Um, Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all, all right. right. So what team Oh God, right. I forgot about time? that. Oh, um. This is going to be a Shoot, toughie. no, no, it's not. I'm Team Xander. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe not a toughie. Because yeah. he was the only one we liked in Buffy. And I just don't, I don't think I could pick anybody on the Angel. No. Because it was, none of it was real. No, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I, I feel like we always tend to agree. Not like that's a bad thing. <laughs> I know. But I'm like... Maybe soon we'll get to a point like, where more people are behaving well and there'll be more options. It does feel like there's just limited mm-hmm. options. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I will talk to you next time. All right. Time. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.